You're listening to the Dietitian Cafe RDTV podcast, brought to you by Nualtra. My name is Neve Lilliman and I'm a second year student dietitian. Through this podcast, we aim to inspire student dietitians by sharing knowledge and gaining insight from experienced guests. Today, we will be exploring a rather controversial topic among student dietitians, reflection. Us students are all too familiar with the process, with many of us asking ourselves, why do I need to do this? Today, we're going to answer this by speaking with registered dietitian Pooja Deer, who has a wealth of experience supporting student dietitians and using reflection in her own career. I hope that in this episode, we can reduce the stigma around reflection by highlighting its benefits, as well as sharing useful tips to make it a more accessible and productive way of learning. Hello, Pooja. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm quite looking forward to this episode because it's going to be a controversial one, I think. Yeah, I remember even when I was at university, any time reflection got brought up or it was the time for the essays where it was based on reflection, we'd all kind of maybe grumble a little bit like, ah, okay, great, this is what's coming up. Um, So yeah, I can imagine it being quite a popular subject in different ways. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those ones I think now's about maybe actually it's all the time students are starting and ending placement but now that you know we're doing this episode hopefully it'll be quite relevant to a lot of students listening yeah definitely I hope it can provide some insights and hopefully reduce the fear around having to do a reflection as well yeah lovely well that sounds great um so yeah thank you for joining us once again um so to start things off You've had a really varied career as a dietitian. Um, So yeah, just kind of tell us about your career and the sorts of places you've worked. Yeah, so once I graduated from Coventry University, where I did my undergrad, I immediately started my band five job at, um, which is now called Hull University Teaching Hospitals. It was Hull Royal Infirmary when I worked there. Um, And that was a really, really great place for me to kind of learn and build upon my foundations. Um, So we kind of had rotational band five um, job. So I got to experience lots of different areas. I specialized in Hull, um, band six, and then also had a secondment as a band seven before then moving to Barnsley um, as a team lead um, within the acute division. That was during COVID. So covering ICU a lot, um, gastro and all those areas. Um, And during my time there, I learned about a PhD basically at Leeds Beckett University that really, really intrigued me. Uh, I've always been really interested in health um, inequalities, particularly within race um, and gender and things like that. So I applied for that, was really fortunate to be accepted. And I'm currently a second year PhD student at Leeds and I'm evaluating the NHS low calorie diet um, with a focus on those from South Asian backgrounds looking at qualitative research, does it work, does it not? How could it be improved? Um, I also work privately with city dietitians, seeing patients one-to-one within like gastro, bowel um, conditions, and also those from South Asian background. And I love that. I love still being able to see patients, having that face-to-face, although it's over video, um, kind of contact, whilst also then doing lots of reading and writing for the PhD. Um, And I'm really fortunate through that to have had opportunities to do other freelance work, um, which has been talking at events and things like that as well, working with charities, which I love doing as well. So it's kind of a really mixed bag of lots of different things. Um, But I think kind of the groundwork from university, the first job and everything has really helped me kind of move forward. Yeah, you sound like a really busy bee. You've you've done loads, especially like with a peak in kind of COVID and and doing that and then going on to do a PhD really really kind of yeah really active in the career I guess aren't you? Yeah I think in general I just like to be busy with whatever it might be um it keeps my mind occupied and things like that and I try and you know focus in as well on mindfulness I do add reflection um into my day as well um in terms of no matter what part of career or normal life or anything like that to kind of help keep me grounded um, and focused as well on what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's so important. And I like that you've, your career journey, you've 
gone from education to specialise to, to the band five and then specialising and then gone back into education. Um, be really kind of in a bit really interesting to explore explore how reflection has played into that a little bit. Um, so yeah, as I said, I'd love to dive into the different aspects of your career um, and your PhD and talk a little bit more about that. Um, but before I do, um, as the podcast is about reflection, could you kind of summarise to our listeners what reflection is or, or what it means to you? Hmm. So I guess, um, I mean, there's lots of definitions online um, for reflection, but in terms of what it means to me, um, it's kind of thinking back or looking to something that's happened or kind of where my mindset has been with a situation and also focusing on how could I make that different for the future? Could I potentially change the outcome? Could I learn from it? Or maybe, you know, sometimes it's something that I feel really proud of or think, gosh, that actually went really well. And when I reflect on it, it's kind of looking back inward at myself and being like, I do have those skills to be able to do that and kind of having a confidence boost from it. So I think it for me, it's taking time just to get grounded with something that's happened or is happening, something that's been said and kind of thinking back to how has that made me feel? What can I take from that? I really love how you've added a, a positive spin to that because um, a lot of people or, I, you know, I suppose doing it in an assignment based form, people might think, oh, I've got to look at how I communicated badly or how I did this. But actually, it's it's a positive thing and it can actually benefit us. And it's not a, not supposed to be a, a horrible task. No, definitely not. And I think that's something I learned after university as well, that actually um I used to hate public speaking. It used to make me really, really nervous. It still does. Okay. Um, but I realized when I was reflecting that actually I did the public speaking. Nothing disastrous happened. I received good feedback. Okay, I might actually be okay at this. Maybe I can help to reduce my nerves and things. So it was through that reflection, I kind of built up the confidence to keep going forward and thinking, okay, this could be seen as a positive thing. I don't need to worry and just see it as a you know a negative aspect. Sounds like it's quite key to kind of personal growth then, doesn't it? And and getting on, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um as you kind of said, your your perception kind of changed once you left university. Um a lot of students find reflection to be quite a dull, repetitive process. Um, does it have to be like this? No, no, not at all. I think the difference is, you know, when you're at university, you've it's kind of more gr- exam-based or grade-based or assignment-based. You're not kind of necessarily doing the reflection or thinking about the reflection in a way of, this is just something I want to do and sit down and do it. And you might already be doing it in different ways, like journaling. If you're already journaling, that's a form of reflection. And I think it's kind of remembering that at uni, obviously, we are taught about the models of reflection, which are brilliant, but you don't have to use those either. You can reflect in a way that suits you or kind of take the key components or mix and match different parts of different models that suit you, because it's a really individual thing. So I really think we should have the freedom to be able to do it in a way that we want to. Um, And that doesn't have to match up and everyone doesn't have to do it the same way. And you don't have to do it all the time. You don't always have to base it on things like, you know, communication and career based aspects. It, It could genuinely be about anything, anything in normal life as well. And I think that reduces that kind of repetition side of things and feeling like, okay, I need to reflect on what happened at work today. Actually, no, we could reflect on, oh, I had a great day today. want to just reflect on that. Yeah, you've reminded me actually, just where you said, oh, I've had a great day today or or even a not so great day. Um, I know someone who's just recently got a new job and they've changed from driving into work, um, this is really random, but driving into work to now getting the train into work. And they said to me the other day, they said, do you know what? I'm so glad I now get the train to work because that half hour train ride home from work, well, from work to home um, gives me a chance to reflect on my day. And actually just because there's nothing else to do on the train, really, um, they can just reflect on the day. And by the time they've got home, they've they just feel a lot more positive and they've left their work at home and they also know right here's what I need to do tomorrow um so it's definitely something that you just reminded me just there um that actually it can be a really good way of of you know having a more productive end to the day I guess and and going forward 
Yeah, and that's a great example of it as well. You know, that person on the train doesn't have to be sat there with a notebook and pen if they didn't want to, to reflect. It could just be in their mind, they're just thinking, or even listening to some music in the background and just thinking, oh, you know what, this went really well today, or, oh, that wasn't so great and stuff, and kind of thinking, yeah, in the future, I might want to do this instead, or, you know, it made me feel a bit like this. How could I sort it out tomorrow? But then, yeah, once you reach home, your train journey's over. So it might be going into mode of cooking or whatever else it might mm. be. So that that reflection time is almost kind of ended there, which is a good thing, because then, like you said, you're, you're leaving that work side behind, ready for the next day. And I think that's a really positive example of it. Yeah, it, it just reminded me when you said uh, sort of at the, the, a good day. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's that's a good thing because it might reply to a lot of students actually you know a lot of students commute um I commute I'm a mature student so yeah I think I might actually take that advice to be honest (laughs) um but yeah I mean we've spoken about kind of essays and just thinking it out in your mind but are there any other ways to reflect yeah so even just things like I mentioned journaling but also just bullet pointing mind mapping as well it's Mm. kind of finding a creative outlet that works for you um, for some people as well, it's kind of recording, like on your phone and stuff, kind of just talking to yourself and recording it on your phone. And then you have the option if you want to listen back to it. But if even if you don't, you've kind of released it by saying it out loud. Mm. And particularly if you're quite a vocal person and you de-stress by venting. Mm. I'm putting a negative aspect on it, I suppose. But that's just another example, isn't it? Um, some people are more vocal and some people are more kind of creative and written, aren't they? Yeah. And it just, it just, it's different formats of of doing it. And I do think reflection can even be coloring, you know, or drawing or whatever it might be, because you can release onto that, you know, your feelings, what happened and things and some, you know, creativity. I'm not a creative person in that sense. I can't draw to save my life, but for someone else, that might be something they really enjoy. So actually for them, if, especially if they're feeling all reflection, it's kind of getting them down, having to do it. If they just started with how can I incorporate into it something I enjoy, like drawing it out or something like that then yeah there's no reason that that can't be incorporated as a way of reflection yeah again you've reminded me of a time I think I was in like primary school and uh, you're called making me reflect now Pooja um in primary school and I think I'd had a really hard day like fall out with friends or something um and I came home because I love baking and I remember just coming home and thinking about how my friends have been really unfair or something and just beating cake batter so hard <laughs> Um, you just reminded me of that of something you enjoy um and yeah it makes sense actually that that is a that is a way to reflect and it doesn't always have to be some written essay yeah no definitely and even when you're practicing as a dietitian you don't have to do essays as your reflection Mm. obviously as part of CPD we do have to maintain reflection but that could be bullet points from the day or whatever suits you post you know having a post-it note or anything it can be the smallest thing to yeah fully writing an essay it's what suits you what what you're feeling in that moment that you want to do as well Mm. yeah you've provided a lot of hope I think and because I think sometimes students think oh gosh is this what my life is going to be just writing 1500 word essays but clearly it's not that you know there's so much so many ways you can go with it and actually enjoy it yeah yeah I personally don't tend to lean towards the essays route as a while I'm working and stuff but that's personal choice and also because with the PhD, I'm always writing papers and things. So I I don't see it as like, oh, I want to, you know, but I'll do my bullet points or sometimes I'll just write stuff down on, you know, I've got post-it notes next to me and I'll just write something down on there because I'm thinking of it and just kind of stick it in my reflection book. And mm-hmm. like it prompts me to remind me of things or something else might happen after that, which triggers another, you know, addition of a point and stuff. And yeah, sometimes I might add a few diagrams or, you know, whatever to it, but that's just, you know, that's, how my mind works and it's okay for all of us to do it in different ways yeah I I get from what you're saying as well that it can make us more comfortable with our own thoughts I suppose because sometimes Mm. we're so busy with life um and oh gosh I've got this essay in due or something um that actually we don't we don't stop and reflect really do we back into yourself I guess and like you say you said earlier like grounding yourself yeah yeah definitely so um, now applying this to the role of dietitians, why is reflection so important for dietitians? You know, if if we didn't reflect at all, what do you think the impact would be on our work? Um, it's a tough question in a way because we don't necessarily fully know what would happen. But I think 
in my mind at least, if we didn't reflect, we wouldn't learn from our mistakes. Um, and also we wouldn't be able to take the positives and kind of almost reward ourselves for it um, and build upon our skills and continue building on the confidence as well. Because I do think, you know, as dietitians, when we're working, we are faced in situations where maybe the communication breaks down or something's happened. Um, you know, we work as MDTs and stuff. And you do need to sometimes take a step back and think, okay, I didn't really feel comfortable with that. Why do I not feel comfortable? And addressing it and finding a way to kind of almost deal with it for yourself and also if anything else needs to happen. But if we don't reflect on it and we just let things go constantly, one, it might make us more agitated or angry or, you know, just building up whatever emotion it might be. Or we might feel really, you know, lacking in confidence and not feeling so sure of ourselves. Um, I just think the reflection process helps us to develop and build and mm. improve kind of our clinical practice and the care that we're delivering to patients and in working as a team. And I think not just as dietitians, but, you know, anyone who's working in that healthcare space, it's really important for us all to reflect on what we've done, what went well, how we could improve things in whichever format we want to, because it just improves our, our work practice and I think work environment. Yeah, you raised quite a lot of interesting points there. Um, you know, they're always saying about evidence-based practice um, and how important it is to make sure that the care is right for each patient, basically, and that it's up to date. And I suppose reflection comes into that, because if you didn't reflect on yourself or reflect on your learning, you might not be up to date with your learning, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It's incorporated in so, so many aspects, part of CPD, when you're seeing patients as well. Um, you know, hopefully you reflect on, okay, how did that consultation go? And when you're a student, that's kind of the whole point of the feedback process as well, that when you're getting signed off and things like that, that actually encourages you to, again, reflect on how do you think it went? And I know when I supervised students, when I did that, the first question I would always ask is, okay, well, what did you think? Because mm. we're just discussing the reflection process kind of out loud in terms of, and sometimes, you know, a student might say, oh, I really don't think it went well. And I would think that went really, really well. And at that point, it's kind of discussing that reflection that actually, no, it went really well and stuff. You know, why did you think it didn't go well? And helping that person to kind of, OK, well, how can I move forward? And then they've kind of got the confidence left for the next time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've talked about how important it is in a clinical setting. And, and obviously it is. Um, and you're probably a good person to ask this because you not only work clinical you sort of do your PhD and freelancing as well is reflection is it important for dietitians outside the clinical setting too yeah definitely I think it doesn't matter which career path you you take within the dietetic land I think it's really important I use it for my PhD I use it within the freelance and private work as well you know even though I'm not seeing patients or in that NHS environment I still need to kind of think about okay well how do I think that went? Or, you know, I'm still faced with situations where I think, oh my gosh, can't believe that just happened. Um, you know, I need time to kind of think, okay, so let me just break it down and get comfortable with it and stuff because I don't know how to unpack it right now. And reflection supports with that. Mm. Um, it supports with every aspect. So I think whether you're working in, you know, for instance, education, um, private healthcare, you know, freelance, anything like that, reflection has to kind of stay there and of course, with the HCPC as well to maintain your registration, the reflection does have, they do also state that it needs to continue regardless of the career path. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm really glad you raised the HCPC standards um, because they're so fundamental to what we do. Um, and as students, we have to, you know, we always have to remember them. We have that sort of annual lecture about them, but actually they are there for a reason. Um, they're not there to boss us around or anything like that. Um and yeah, reflection can actually help us achieve those. It's not not a hindrance. Yeah, definitely. And it's feeling comfortable with it. The HCPC code of conduct, it's not like it's not supposed to be a scary thing. It's it's mm. supposed to be kind of supportive and encourage us to be, you know, the best that we can be. Yeah. Yeah, I can see now why uh, at uni we when we get reflection uh, assessments, we always have to bring it back to HCPC. And I can see now how reflection comes into that. Um and I was speaking to you, it's kind of it's kind of become more obvious to me, I think. Um, so are there any resources or tools that students can access to help them with reflection to make it more productive or even a more interesting process? 
Um, so you have got obviously the usual cycles and models of reflection and stuff, which do really suit some people having that structure and thinking about the reflection um, in that way, kind of, okay, first this, what happened, you know, then the next steps and everything like that. Um, but I think, again, it's just, you can use those tools and things like that. There's lots of stuff online, um, which kind of encourages you to be able to do the reflections in different ways, such as the bullet pointing and, you know, writing short notes and stuff, paragraphs and things, um, using actually the cycle and, you know, drawing a circle and kind of making small points around each of those, or again, using diagrams and things like that. Um, but I think, especially for when you're at university, it's it's mainly the cycles and models to use. But when you're just generally reflecting or working as a dietitian and reflecting, um, it's up to you what you want to use. And a lot of people, I think, maybe learn from the tools at university and then amend it to what suits them going forward and keeping notes on, you know, your laptop, for example, or your phone and things like that, and then just bringing it all together. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there's plenty of apps and things. I mean, you talked about grounding and mindfulness. There's so many mindfulness apps, you know, I'm sure there's probably lots of areas within apps where they're like, tell me about your day or something like that, um, that maybe we could utilize. Yeah, definitely. There's loads of that type of stuff that encourages you to even just check in with mm. yourself. Um, and to be able to use that kind of space to be like, okay, how did my day go? How did I feel? And I think as well, that's where, you know, the popularity of journaling and everything comes in from as well. Um, mm. and gratitude and taking that time um, just to appreciate the day and what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, it seems kind of so, well, it seems it's obvious. It's so much broader than, than just doing the essays. Um, and yeah, I'm really glad you've raised some of those, those points and, tips on how to do it um I suppose it's I suppose there may be a difference between formal reflection and informal reflection I suppose how often do you formally reflect if you like um so my formal reflections to be honest it's as and when mm -hmm. it really is just when I feel you know something's really happened or I'm feeling a real certain way that I feel like I just want to sit down and really detail this situation or sometimes my reflections as well is when I've attended webinars or conferences and mm -hmm. there's been maybe something of interest that I've learned about I sometimes choose those as some of my reflections because it doesn't just have to be what's happened to you or anything like that it can be that you've learned something mm -hmm. really interesting why you found that interesting and things like that um but I would guess on average in terms of numbers my formal reflections are at least once a month Okay. But informal reflections are probably practically every day. Yeah. If not every day, if I'm completely honest. Yeah. Um, because there is just so much to reflect on. And I do really find it helps me kind of progress and move on to the next day and think about, okay, what am I doing? Or, okay, well, it would be nice to do this or that and stuff. It, it helps me work through that. But yeah, as a minimum, I could say the formal reflections I do once a month, but it's not like, oh, it has to be on this date of every month nothing like that. And I think that's important as well, not to force yourself to mm -hmm. have to find something to reflect on um, because there'll be plenty of opportunities of things that happen in a day, in a week, a month that just kind of make you want to feel yourself. Oh yeah, that'd be good to reflect on. Yeah. I like that you said it's when you're feeling a certain way or it's something you've particularly noticed or, or a key event. And I think maybe lots of students could draw on that. And I suppose if they were to set themselves a target of reflecting to say, okay, when I feel really I don't know confident about something or when I feel really like something hasn't gone very well that's when I'm going to reflect and maybe that's how we could get into a routine of doing it particularly I suppose on placement yeah definitely and when I had students on placement I tried not to set them that goal of so many place you know so many reflections by this point and things because for me it's, it'll just happen naturally um, yeah. and it's better when it, it's something that you feel strongly about or you feel like wow that was really interesting or um, you know, I learned so much from that or anything like that, really, you feel more inclined and then you're probably more likely to have a deeper reflection from it anyway. So you talked a little bit about supporting students on placement. So what role did that entail as, you know, being a placement supervisor? Um, yeah, so when I was working in Hull, um, 
it was as a kind of general supervisor that would take, you know, the students onto the wards, show them, you know, how things work, sign them off on their work at the end of the day and things like that. Um, but as I progressed through my career, it was then also doing the one-to-one supervisions, the end of week supervisions and being kind of the mentor. And then when I was a team lead, it was being more involved with the, um, what's the word, the logistics of yeah. the placements and supporting the student, making sure the work was balanced. Obviously we had COVID to contend to. So it was the balance of coming in, but also working from home and how do we support with that and also supporting with the competencies and things. Yeah. Um, you know, the written work and the knowledge side of things. Um, so, yes, I guess I supported students in different ways, um, which did include, obviously, when it was signing off or going through their portfolios and stuff. A part of that was doing reflections. But mm. as a supervisor, and I think I do this because when I was on placement at, I'm pretty sure it was Queen Elizabeth in Birmingham, my supervisors, when I had the reflections said that they're personal to me so they felt like they'd sometimes skim read one or two but for the rest of them they felt like you know reflection is personal so it's not something they can assess or mark um and I I don't know I felt really humbled by that and there was something about it that I it kind of stayed with me through my career so when I had students and they've done reflections I followed the same process that with one or two and they got to pick which ones I would kind of briefly read through it and things, but with the rest of their reflections, I did just say, that's okay. Like, I don't need to see that. I trust obviously you've done it and things Mm -hmm. Um, because it's something that you've, you know, some of these reflections are really deep and stuff talking about a lot of emotions or certain things that have happened. So if the student, you know, wants to keep that private and stuff, I'm totally okay with that. And I think that's really important as well, that your reflections aren't there for other supervisors or other dietitians, teachers in whatever format we're not always there to assess that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it that's a kind of an openness feeling as well. And I think that helped me when I was on placement, knowing that, reflect in whatever way I wanted and to mm-hmm. really put whatever I wanted on the paper because I knew, okay, this is just for me. This is my reflection. I'm not getting assessed on this while I'm on placement. And mm-hmm. I wanted the students I had to feel the same way. Yeah, that's so reassuring that there's supervisors out there like that that are kind of set that boundary of saying look this is yours I'm not going to mark you on this um you know that you've done it obviously but keeping it personal and because you know if it is something that someone's a bit I suppose shy to talk about or is a little bit I don't know you know uh put them off or made them feel quite quite upset or you know if it was a a a big event or something knowing that it's not going to be invaded I guess is is quite quite a nice thing and you know it's already scary time on placement anyway so I'm sure not having that extra pressure would be really reassuring to a lot of students. Yeah because you know we feel nervous we feel you know sometimes overwhelmed and there's so many situations that we're faced with on placement that we just think okay what do I do now or you know whatever it might be and we might sometimes panic in things but they sometimes are our deeper level reflections because we can really hone in on them and stuff but they're not necessarily things that you want anyone else to read particularly not supervisors because that could be kind of a little bit uncomfortable you know you might feel a bit uncomfortable in yourself with that definitely I feel like you probably need to have a bit of rapport with someone before they can delve into your deepest darkest thoughts I suppose like sharing a diary isn't it you you wouldn't I I wouldn't want to share my diary with everybody yeah (laughs) I know yeah um yeah it's I think the conflict that students have is that I suppose they may hear this and then think, oh, okay, reflections are really chill. They're really kind of flexible and fluid. Um, but then they look at their placement portfolio and they think, oh my gosh, I've got to do a hundred reflections over placement B or something. How can we bridge that gap? If you, if you see what I mean? So yes, we have to fill in those, I don't know, X amount of reflections to pass the portfolio, but how can we do it in a way that's not feeling repetitive? Um, I would, for me personally, and I I guess I have to add a caveat that it really depends on who your supervisors are, where your placements are, because they will have their own way of doing things. And at some trust or some supervisors might ask, you know, by week X that you need to have so many reflections and things. Mm -hmm. Whereas my take on it would be to kind of relax and just go with the flow in terms of when you're feeling like 
you know, writing reflection when you're feeling like, yeah, you know, I've got something interesting to say, or I'm feeling this way, this is really going to help me or anything like that. Mm. Not to count in terms of, oh, I've got a hundred to do. Just keep letting it come to you whenever. And the more you kind of start doing it, the more you naturally end up wanting to. But if you kind of force yourself, like with anything and put that pressure on yourself, it becomes a mundane task. It's kind of something that you have to do. It's like a tick box activity. Whereas Instead, we want it to be something that is fluid, that, you know, something's happened that day and you're like, okay, right, yeah, that's what I want to write about that. And then maybe a few days later, something else happens on placement or, and it can be, it it doesn't always have to be specifically something that's happened in the hospital setting or community setting, wherever your placement is. To me, it was, you know, it could even be your car broke down on the way to placement or something how did you know the panic the stress and you were worried about being late you couldn't get through to your supervisors Mm. random scenario making up but that might be something you want to reflect on and and that's okay as well it doesn't always have to relate directly to that and I do encourage students as well that yes reflect on placements and stuff as part of it but actually it could be the impact of for instance COVID while you were doing placement on family friends you know social life how to balance it all of that type of stuff Mm. And that way you're not kind of feeling honed in on, I have to reflect on just seeing patients or, you know, something similar to that. You can pick whatever part of your time to really, you know, reflect on and think about. Yeah, I I remember when I was on a placement and we had pebble pad um, and yes, we had the mandatory reflections, if you like, but we also had an additional upload section. Um, And I remember uploading a few kind of, I say extra reflections, but yeah, kind of not as relevant to this is a patient I saw today. Um, And actually that was really quite helpful for me because I thought, oh, I don't know how to do these reflections in the pebble pad or I was thinking oh I don't don't know what to write about but then doing those ones that were more personal to me that wasn't being marked on got me into the swing of things and then I thought oh yeah those ones in the portfolio they're actually okay I can do those I've got something for those now yeah it's getting comfortable with it and you can start from wherever you want and I think not kind of pushing yourself in the sense of okay every single week I must have X amount of reflections because some weeks you might have more, some weeks you might have less just because of situations, what you're doing that week um, and kind of being okay with that um, and not hopefully panicking too much. Yeah. Um, I suppose there's a a lot of, I suppose, yeah, panic amongst students whilst they're on placement. What benefits have you seen as a supervisor to students who are reflecting on whilst they're on placement? think it helps with the mental health side of things and the mindset just taking that time to actually just think about what's happening how they're feeling and just check in um Mm -hmm. you know even if it's just a couple of minutes a day because obviously on placement it it can be really overwhelming with the amount of stuff that's going on and not only being tested or anything but obviously you might come across situations where it's like okay well why did you do this or what requirements or whatever question you're being asked that you know you're being put on the spot or anything like that um so I find with students when they're reflecting and stuff they feel generally calmer and I think as well they learn from the situations that have happened and how they want to overcome it or it also helps them to have conversations with the supervisors and the team that they're on placement with to say this happened yesterday I've reflected on it but I you know part of my reflection is that I would like to x y and z maybe see more of this clinical area or I don't really com- feel comfortable doing this or whatever it might be, that reflection really helps to support the rest of their journey on the placement mm-hmm. because it can even guide kind of how the rest of their placement looks like mm-hmm. if it can help to create those conversations and then help to support them as well with seeing patients and doing the clinical stuff as well because they're able to take that time just to see how they want to do it next time. Yeah, I suppose a, a common thing that that might come into is is say you've reflected on something and you thought, okay, I don't actually know that much about know, eating disorders or something, and that might actually then prompt you to see actually can I can I have some experience with some eating disorders patients, which may not have actually been on your placement timetable, so it may prompt you to go above and beyond, which will get you points anyway, both for placement and for your own growth. Definitely. And that way as well, you've you've done a placement. And again, it might be, a, uh, sorry, a reflection. And it might be even a in, more interesting reflection than to add to that, that, oh, okay, well, because of the first reflection, I spoke to them, got to see some eating disorder patients, you know, and learn about the management, marzipan guidelines or whatever it might be. 
And then another reflection is, okay, well, how did that impact you? And how did that first reflection support you and that continuous journey? And I think that's where the deeper level of reflection comes in from as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's always that deeper reflection we, we get spoken to about uni. And I think some people never really sure whether they are doing deep reflections or not. What what advice do you have for encouraging deeper reflections or beyond what you've kind of just said? I guess it's taking your time with it mm-hmm. and it being OK to revisit a reflection. You don't have to sit and do it all at once. Okay. Maybe you start it and you think, I just need to take some time away from this now. Um, And then you come back to it because you feel like you've had more time to adjust or think about it or whatever it might be that suits you that allows you to really kind of delve into what might be causing this or what might be happening. And I guess at uni, you're learning about, you know, behavior change theories, all of that type of stuff as well. Mm -hmm. That does link in with reflections as well um, in terms of those theories with it. And I think that helps to encourage as well the deeper level of reflection, you know, especially when it's actions and things have happened oh, okay, well, actually, I learned about X, Y, and Z. This could be what's playing a part into how I'm feeling or why that happened. And it just, rather than, I guess, the surface level reflection, as they say, is something happened, it made you feel a certain way, and that's, you know, next time you'll do this. It's kind of getting more down to the areas of, but what might have caused that? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, a, it's, it sounds like it's more of an organic way of thinking. And as you say, that that time, sometimes it can take you a while to realise actually what actually happened or what did I really mean when I said that? Yeah, definitely. And it's even in normal life, I don't know, you might have an argument with someone and get really angry or something. And then afterwards, it's, with that reflection, it would be, but why did that make you angry? What was it in the argument? You know, was it the way that something was said? It was the tone of voice. Was it? And it's kind of picking it apart rather than just saying, I was angry. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it's a great learning curve to getting to know yourself. what pushes your buttons but also what makes you tick as well yeah a lot of personal growth through it it's not Mm -hmm. just for career or anything like that it's just yeah developing your own self and you know what I want to work on this trait or this is really you know I'm really happy that I'm doing this I want to encourage it by continuously It, it works either way You've made it such a positive, light, breezy conversation about reflection um, and it's really not sounding controversial at all. Um, Totally different, I suppose, to I suppose when I came into this podcast thinking, I mean, you know, I think it myself, I'll admit, I think, oh, I need to do this. But you've really kind of opened a whole new world to me now. (laughs) I can understand it because I remember feeling the exact same way when I was at university and had to do the essays. Like, oh, okay, let me, um, okay, I'll use Gibbs model. And then how do I incorporate, you know, different parts into it and things like that? Whereas I guess with time I've learned, yeah, it's an organic fluid process. Just let whatever thoughts come, write them all down. And then maybe when I'm writing an essay, after I've written all these notes and just poured myself onto the sheet, then I'll make it more university worthy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good way to think about it, actually, to to do it how you like and then and then tweak it to make it past the rubric or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I think I, I suppose, as you know, placement and portfolios, they're not just about reflection. Huge part of it is. Um, and we've talked a lot about placement and. Um, and because you're a practice educator, um, and I haven't interviewed a practice educator before, um, I think it would be really nice to hear kind of what are you looking for generally in students when you, or what were you looking for when you were supervising them? So um, when I was supervising them, which was over a year ago, um, but my previous experience, um, I guess I was looking for interest from the student mm. in terms of what they're learning, what they're doing and stuff. I'm not looking for a student to know everything because that's the whole point. You, you know, you're a student. I don't expect you to know everything. I don't know everything. No dietitian knows everything. Um, we're all learning continuously, but it's knowing that they're happy to learn and want to learn um, mm. and also that they take the time as well um, to focus in on, you know, things that would be helpful for them. For whichever Mm. career route, it might be as a dietitian, but that they're interested in that, that they ask questions, you know, want to be involved. Um, And as well, I guess it's seeing from the start to finish an increasing confidence in the student. But Mm. that's not just on them. That's from us helping to provide that to them so that they feel that they're in a space where they can 
gradually increase their confidence the more they're doing and stuff. Um, and hopefully by the end of it, because obviously my experience is all from hospital. I've never actually done any placements or worked in a community setting. Um, so I guess from the other side of it is being able to see that they're comfortable talking to patients, building rapport, you know, the ability as well sometimes when you need to get out of the conversation you know, or shorten the conversation with a patient that they're able to do that or equally mm -hmm. be able to ask the right questions and stuff to create, you know, a nutritional plan that's suitable. But again, I'm not assessing like, oh, the nutritional plan should look like what I would think a nutritional plan of because we all have different ways of thinking and that's okay as well. Same with requirements. Just you, you can justify it. As long as you can justify it, you're fine. It's not about it has to be our way. As a student, yeah. you know, you have your own thoughts and stuff and that's okay, and, you know. So for me, it's just seeing, yeah, the interest in nutrition, dietetics, wanting to support patients, wanting to develop their own learning and that increase in confidence. Yeah. Thank you for sort of talking me through that because I know it was a bit off topic from reflection, but I think it's important because I think the conversation about placements and portfolios can really, and reflection, can really panic some students um, and maybe make sort of spiral their thinking a little bit and get them really worried so I'm really glad that you've added, again added a really nice positive spin to it and taken the pressure off of us a little bit yeah definitely and I know there is like that burden of okay well for the portfolio okay how many assessments do I need and how many of these okay the group a presentation I need to do I need to do all these different things but I think about it, it's also about relaxing and trying to enjoy the placement process as much as possible obviously yes you do have to get those things done to pass the placement and be organized but actually it can be done in a way where you're learning and enjoying that process at the same time and just yeah organization is definitely key when you're doing the placements yeah oh definitely that's a common thing common thing that we hear um the things you were saying sort of about confidence and eagerness to learn it really aligns with what you said about reflection really that it's it opens doors and it makes you explore yourself a little bit more so reflections could actually be a good facilitator to being successful on placement yeah and it's not just about you know I don't expect students to like physically always show loads of excitement for everything nothing like that that's you know human response you know not all of us are morning people either I don't expect them to turn up feeling yeah, yeah so excited for placement it's okay you know we all feel tired in the mornings and things but it's more that you know maybe if they've learned something that they might come back and say, oh, yeah, I actually read a paper about this or, oh, yeah, I looked into that guideline that you mentioned or the next time they're seeing a, pa you know, a patient with something similar, they go, oh, yes, I do remember this, that and the other or they did some extra reading or whatever it might be, had conversations with us, asked questions. That also shows that the person's interested. It doesn't need to be this physical excitement. And, yeah, it can just be from other formats. Yeah. Yeah, so, so varied in so many ways that we can we can – those pass our placement I guess and and be successful yeah yeah definitely so aside from us as students so you yourself are a student as you said so you're currently doing your PhD so you spoke a little bit about it but I'd love to hear about what you're up to there so I'm in my second year of the PhD at Leeds Beckett um so like I mentioned it's evaluating the NHS low calorie diet and I'm using qualitative yeah. methods so that means interviewing participants, interviewing coaches, um, and I'm currently in the process of translating. Uh, because I'm bilingual, I did some of the interviews in like Hindi, Punjabi, and Urdu. So I've got to translate those and transcribe them. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm using reflexive thematic analysis. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I also didn't know what any of this was. I have to add this caveat because... We don't talk about it enough, but before starting the PhD, I didn't know what all these different qualitative methods were, what how to analyze them, how to really go about any of it. I hadn't done a master's. It was a massive jump. But mm. for anyone who is thinking of doing a PhD, you learn it all and your supervisors teach you, you attend webinars. It's a really supportive process. And I do want to say that I don't want anyone to think I already knew what any of this was because I definitely did not. Oh. Um, but I'm loving doing it. And it's really interesting to see, you know, the themes that are coming out from it, how we can make changes. And this will help to support the actual delivery of the NHS program um, yeah. and making those changes. But I still use reflection as part of the PhD. And I, it's actually, I'm using what's called reflexive thematic analysis. This is the reason I mentioned it, because it has reflexive in the name. So as part of this method, I have to reflect 
on why I chose those methods and to write a paper using these me- this method, I have to add reflections. Mm-hmm. And I've kept a reflective log since starting the PhD as well, because for my thesis, um, from day dot, my supervisors are like, we're going to want reflections in your thesis. Okay. And it's playing a part in the papers that I'm writing as well. Yeah, okay, so it's core to that then. I mean, aside from the fact it's helping you to pass the PhD, um, or to get the PhD, sorry, do you find this actually helpful to your learning? Yeah, definitely. I think being a dietitian who's evaluating other people slash other programs, um, which are dietary related, as part of that, I was observing some of the sessions. um, And I guess they weren't always obviously delivered by dietitians and things like that. So sometimes I kind of want to, jump in and just add yeah. oh, actually this is really good for you or you know this is the portion size of that or want to chip in but as a diet you know I, as a student I couldn't my job mm-hmm. is just here as an observer not as a dietitian yeah. and same with when I was doing the interviews with some participants they're like oh I don't know if I can eat this that and the other but luckily in, in that format you can kind of say oh well I am a dietitian by background and I can tell you yes you can still eat your in this context it was dal so I was like yes you can still eat dal it's healthy for you just don't use ghee and things like that so it's not me reflect kind of on me as a person and how different it is being a student um, and how, I guess, being a student, I can still be a dietitian at the same time, what my boundaries are, and also the reflection process in terms of when I was doing my systematic review, I was heading out to go get married abroad and I just had a lot on at that time and I felt really overwhelmed um, with the amount of deadlines and the systematic review as well. I'd never done one before. I was really, you know, finding it difficult. But doing the reflection helped kind of guide me a little bit more in terms of, okay, well, this is actually what I've got going on. What can I do about it? How is it making me feel? How do I want to feel? And all of that type of stuff. So again, I kind of guide myself through depending on the situation of how I want to reflect. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely helped me even time manage my PhD through reflections okay it's really helpful then yeah definitely you can use it you know however you want in whatever format but it helps to give you points normally in terms of okay well what what could I do and that's where the time management came okay well if I reduce x y and z and increase this short term what impact will that make yeah key to success then it sounds like I just, yeah, I just think it's such a helpful tool in every process, you know, even in personal life and stuff to help think about, okay, what made me feel that way and things? How could I move on from that before maybe having a conversation with another person when I'm still, you know, when you're still feeling heated or anything like that, or, you know, I feel really good that I I did that and I want to just take some time to feel proud for, you know, of myself or whatever it might be, or for learning about thematic analysis, you know, and things like that. So I think, it has a role to play for anybody. Yeah. And as you're doing research, you've highlighted the importance of, you know, dietitians who work in research. If that's the the career field that they decide to pursue, that they're going to use reflection there as well. It's not just in the clinical setting, as you said before. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's really any part of a dietitian slash healthcare general population, even I would go as far as to say yeah. um, that it's honestly that helpful. Um, that is something we can all be using and I think the more you get into the habit of just natu- just starting to do it the easier it will come and the better than it will be in the future because you just kind of lean into it yeah yeah definitely as I said you've, you've completely changed my mind about it I'm so glad we've had you on to talk about this because you put such a positive spin on it I know I keep saying it but it's just completely reframed my thinking about it and I hope it has with the listeners as well Yeah, definitely. I hope other people can go away from this feeling that they can reflect in different ways and that they don't need to feel too bogged down by it. And I'm not kind of trying to minimalize it because naturally, initially, that may be the feelings that happen. But hopefully that over time we can provide that reassurance. It should or slash it will get better, um, Mm. but just keep at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose you use the opportunities you get at university to you know to to practice it that's what it that's what it's there for isn't it even if it's 1500 words maybe 1500 words is going to be the best way for you to learn that and to get practiced at it rather than compressing it into a little sentence or something or a few more than a sentence but yeah 
Yeah, definitely. It, it helps you to need to think about it to a deeper level and incorporate lots of different things when you're doing it at the university level. Um, and then from future, you can think, okay, well, if, I, if I've done that and that was such a deep reflection or, you know, however it was, that was a big reflection, you can still continuously do your mini ones, sometimes those major ones and things, and just incorporate it in different ways. It, like we said, it doesn't always have to be that essay format, although it may be sometimes because, you know, those things have happened. But yeah, just having the flexibility with it. Yeah, lovely. I think you've summed that up so well. Um, I, I suppose my final question, um, whether it be reflection, placement, portfolios or all three, do you have any last words of wisdom for our listeners? Um, enjoy your time as a student dietitian. Mm -hmm. And just try and learn and say yes to as many opportunities that you feel comfortable with and that you want to do. Um, and just take the time to, like I said, reflect in whatever way suits you. Even if it's not a written reflection, it's talking out loud, thinking in your head, drawing something, singing something. Just take that time to do that, but enjoy the placements. Get a ahead of the portfolio as soon as possible in terms of organization but just try and enjoy the process and yeah speak with your team and the supervisors and everybody to get what you want out of it as well yeah I love that you said enjoy the process um, and I think with the suggestions that you've made but about you know videoing it making yourself a little vlog or drawing and um, that you know, that can definitely make it a more enjoyable process um for our students I'm glad Lovely. So Pooja, it has been fantastic having you as our guest today and talking all about reflections, placement, portfolios. So your experience and advice has offered a fresh in insight into this aspect of our studies. I think for me, this episode, it's completely reframed my beliefs um, and future kind of approach to reflection. Um, I know, I mean, I'm not very creative either, but maybe, maybe not drawing, but even just the bullet pointing, I might get myself some nice coloured sticky notes or something and um, totally reframe my beliefs. Um, and I hope it has for our listeners too. And I hope they're feeling a little bit more confident in reflection. So thank you so much, Pooja. Thank you so much for having me. Lovely. So now it's time for some info to go with Meg. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Info to Go. Last month, I asked all our listeners who have done or are doing a dissertation, what are your top tips for planning and writing a dissertation? I will be sharing your responses in the next episode of the podcast. So if you would like to share your advice and experiences, then please email a message or a soundbite to newultrapodcast at hrscommunications.com or send us a DM on the New Ultra Instagram page. As we are nearing the end of the year, some of you might be applying for jobs and going for interviews. So this month, I asked some of the lecturers at the University of Chester for their top tips on applying for and interviewing for jobs in the NHS. I also asked Kareen, who is the new chairperson of the BDA Industry Specialist Group, to get some advice for anyone wanting to apply to jobs in industry. Some of the top tips for NHS applications were don't sell yourself too short. An interview is a chance to sell your skills and experiences to the employer. So remember to ask questions and answer everything in full. It may also be helpful to have a handful of scenarios at the ready that you'd be able to discuss. Scenarios from your academic studies, your placements and any voluntary or paid employment that you've had. That might provide examples of things such as teamwork, health and safety, managing caseloads or leadership. The third is to identify the key dietetic skills, competencies and behaviours that are stated in the job requirements and the key clinical areas that you'll be covering in your job. It's also a great way of being prepared. Ensure to research the department, the trust and their values to show your understanding of exactly what you're applying for. The fourth tip is just to smile and be yourself. Interviews are a great way of finding the best candidate for the role. So remember that part of this is assessing how well the outcome will fit into the team and department too. The fifth point was don't be afraid to ask them to repeat or clarify questions. We can all go a bit blank when we're nervous. So take it slow, take a deep breath and don't feel like you have to rush. And finally, have some questions to be prepared for them too. This shows that you're interested and enthusiastic about your role and may help show that, help you know if this role is right for you. 
Last season, we also had Molly McKenty-Morris on the RDW podcast discussing how to get your first job as a dietitian. And she discussed her own personal experiences and challenges too. So if you haven't already, I would really recommend giving that episode a listen. And I will also link it in the show notes. Now, some top tips that are a bit more industry specific include First, build your network. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and connect with people that you're interested in, either online or at in-person events. Secondly, follow companies that you'd like to work for. Follow companies on LinkedIn, set alerts on their website, and sign up to their newsletters to learn more about their company goals, as well as keeping an eye out for their opportunities. And third, widen your search terms when looking for jobs online. Many of the industry roles currently available today do not contain the words dietitian or nutritionist. So search for other words and titles that may be associated with these positions, such as research, policy, science communications, health, or sustainability. The new BDA Industry Specialist Group represents dietitians working in all areas of industry and is open to all dietitians, nutritionists, and students. So if you'd like to find out more about the group, and then you can find them on the BDA website, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and I will put those links in the show notes. Following on from one of Corrine's industry tips, this month's follow recommendations are focused on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great platform for not only finding job opportunities, but also connecting with a wide range of companies and the employers that work for them. Many companies will also post what they have been up to and highlight new opportunities and developments that are happening, which is an easy way of staying up to date with what's going on. Having your own LinkedIn profile is also a great way of showcasing yourself and your interests, skills and experiences to potential future employers. It's also a great great and easy way of reaching out to people and building your network. I use LinkedIn to connect with and follow people and companies that inspire me. And this makes me fit, makes, means my feed is full of posts and articles that are tailored to my interests and provide lots of amazing insights into new topics that I otherwise wouldn't have come across. Also, if you would like to follow today's guest, I will also be adding her de- LinkedIn details in the show notes. See, or you can find her at dietitian underscore Pooja Deer on Instagram. As Neve and Pooja have discussed in today's podcast episode, reflections form an important part of any dietitian's CPD as they provide an important opportunity to think about your own experiences and learn from them to allow you to work better in the future. That's why for this month's CPD, I would like to encourage you all to think about the way that you reflect and maybe try carrying out some reflections if you haven't already. The HCPC have some great tools and tips on their website about different types and methods of reflection, which may be useful to look over if reflections are something new to you or something you may struggle with. So I've linked the page in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. The BDA also provide some recommended tools for you to use for your reflections, which I will also link in the show notes. But that structure might not work for everyone. So I would also recommend searching for your own reflective tools that might work better for you. For me personally, I prefer to use the Gibbs reflective cycle as I find that this works best whenever I have, whenever I have a structure to work through but this, there might be a different method that works better for you. Coming up in the next month, the 1st to the 7th of June is Volunteers Week. Volunteers Week is all about celebrating and thanking people that dedicate their time to volunteering. The NHS is supported by around 2 million volunteers, and therefore volunteers form an important part of the healthcare team. To find out how you can show your support, share your story, or get involved in volunteering, then you can head over to the Volunteers website which I will link in the show notes. And from the 12th to the 16th of June, it's Healthy Eating Week. This week is run by the British Nutrition Foundation and is all about supporting and promoting healthier lifestyles. This year's theme is Healthy Eating Week for everyone. With the cost of living crisis impacting many people's ability to afford afford healthier diet, the aim of this week is to ensure that evidence-based advice and support is available for free to everyone that wants to either that wants to eat a healthier diet. To download useful resources or find out how you can get involved, head over to the British Nutrition Foundation website, which I will link in the show notes, or follow them on Twitter at NutritionOrgUK and help share their message using the hashtag HEW23. 
If you know of any exciting CPD opportunities for students that are coming up or are getting involved in any of the activities or events that I've mentioned, then I'd love to hear from you and you can drop me an email at newultrapodcast at hrscommunications.com. And that is all the info to go for today's episode. So I'll hand back over to Neve in the main cafe. Thank you so much, Meg, for sharing those resources. I'd like to say a huge thank you once again to New Ultra for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Dietitian Cafe RD2B podcast, consider subscribing and leaving a review or five-star rating so that we can reach even more RD2Bs. You can also follow New Ultra on social media at New Ultra across all platforms to keep up to date with the podcast and to hear the latest updates on medical nutrition. Thank you for listening and our next episode will be out soon.